So let's, Edward, introduce yourself and yes. and a, a bit about what logotherapy is. Okay. Yeah, so my name is Edward Marshall. I'm a registered psychotherapist in Ontario. And I'm also a Victor Frankl professor of psychotherapy and spirituality at the Graduate Theological Foundation in Florida. Um, since uh, 2012, uh, I established with my wife, uh, Dr. Maria Marshall, the Ottawa Institute of Logotherapy, where we offer uh, professional development uh, courses, uh, mostly to health professionals, but other professionals as well, to get to know logotherapy and essential analysis and, and gain um, knowledge and uh, confidence in applying logotherapy and essential analysis in their, in their work. Okay. Yes. And so, and, and we were talking about how you first got interested in logotherapy. And one of the things that when I was reading about it, that was stressed is that it has to be discovered because you can't just explain it on a academic level. People have to discover it. And you talked a bit about, you know, logotherapy looks at the, the physical, the mental and the spiritual aspect of human beings. And, and I asked the question, how did you feel when you discovered this type of therapy? Like, what did it make you feel like? Well, uh, what made me feel, first of all, because it's a type of therapy that is well known, because Manser Sorin is a bestseller and uh, people, a lot of people know about it. And um, the, um, not many people know how to apply it, uh, how to apply it effectively. So how that makes me feel is that, yes, I need to to, to teach as many people as possible how to apply it because it's uh, highly uh, effective, especially in situations of uh, suffering when there are very uh, little uh, opportunities to, to treat a, a person, you know, for instance, uh, terminal illness, mm -hmm. uh, serious uh, cancer patients, the people with uh, severe mental health problems, people with um, suffering from uh, trauma where the physical treatments and psychotherapy sometimes they have um, limitations. So that's how it made me feel that uh, to discover something that is effective and uh, although it is known, uh, not uh, applied uh, as wide as uh, it should be. Okay, so that's the yeah. that's feeling, a feeling of uh, need uh, to to explain it to as many people as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So it, in a sense, that becomes your purpose. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That yeah. becomes the, the purpose. Exactly. Because you mentioned about how we get to know this uh, therapy session analysis was by, by chance. You know, that when I was in medical school in, in Spain, I'm originally from Spain. Uh, my professor used to explain it, especially because of this uh, view of the person as uh, having a body, mind, uh, and the spiritual the dimension. Mm. And uh, at that time, I knew the, the theory, but I wasn't sure exactly how to apply it. And it took uh, like uh, about 20 years later, I became interested when I, I found people who are not really improving with the standard treatments, what we can uh, apply. And then there were other um, uh, professionals, uh, psychiatrists interested in, in this area to 
to look at the different uh, therapies that have not been applied so widely. And then I, I start to notice how low therapy and stress analysis as developed by Viktor Franco was a, a highly effective to get a, a many patients unstuck from their, from their, from their suffering. And this is about uh, that, uh, first of all, um, low therapy and stress analysis recognize the, the suffering in the world that people are suffering. It's not an stoic uh, philosophy where the, all the suffering is in our minds. So there's real suffering uh, outside. And in, in low therapy and stress analysis, what we are trying is to help people to respond to that suffering according to their values and beliefs so it becomes meaningful mm. and that has a healing that has an effect of alleviating uh, that suffering because then one starts to understand their suffering so so we don't see suffering as something pathological but we see suffering as something that comes from from acknowledging that there is something wrong there is something that was uh, a uh, that was not right. You know? yeah, so, so that uh, human spirit is is uh, working, mm-hmm. and uh, and then therefore there's suffering. You know, yes. so uh, as we recognize this as, as a reason of our suffering, and then there is a way to respond to that suffering in a meaningful way that uh, generates a lot of uh, healing yes. for a person. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I really like the idea that. You know, the conversation is around how to apply this. I mean, I've been, you know, I had discovered this therapy some time ago, and I've been trying to wrap my brain around how I can use this skill to help Indigenous people that have been in residential schools, because, you know, residential schools is a form of cultural genocide, you know, that we have a lot of trauma related to that. And and I was and for myself in particular, I'm a residential school survivor. And so if I was to look at you know logotherapy and to apply it to myself, how would I do that first? What would the first thing that I would need to do? Well um first of all uh, to recognize that uh, we are not the first ones who uh, have done this work. The thing is, uh, again, is that it has been very limited. You know, you know, it can reach out to most people, and that's why we are talking here today to to reach as as many out as many people as possible. So, yes. so the first thing is what I was saying is to recognize that the residential school system was wrong. You know, because it was a wrong. It was against uh, human rights and against uh, humanity. And that's, that's the source of the suffering, you know, so because, you know, so we suffer because there was a wrong done you know, to the people, you know? right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people did it on purpose, other people were deceived, other people, you know, were naive, you know, yeah. there, there were all kinds of reasons that at the end of the day was wrong. It was against humanity, against the, the dignity of the person. Yeah. And therefore, who experiences it themselves or who witnessed it is a source of suffering. So that suffering, comes from the human spirit. I said, oh, this is wrong. Like in any relationship where there is abuse, yeah. uh, we recognize it that it's abuse because it's not wrong. It's, it's against uh, humanity. Okay, yeah. that's the first thing. The second thing is uh, uh, what Victor Frankl in the Search for Meaning, uh, I think he demonstrated is that uh, the trauma and the suffering uh, doesn't take away the capacity of a human being 
for um, self-compassion and compassion. Okay, so and that's one of the things that has attracted a lot uh, Victor Franco's book Master for me, that in spite of all what he suffered, he remained a compassionate uh, person, compassionate to himself, mm. compassionate to the people uh, who were also suffering. Okay, so so that's uh, that was a revolutionary because uh, Freud predicted the opposite that when you take away everything for a human being, that person uh, ceases to 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 be able to love and to be able to be compassionate. Because you see, that's uh, what Franco said that uh, everything can be taken from a human being, but not their spirit. Okay, so so that's all this uh, recognition. It helps to say, okay, so what remains in the person that has not been touched by the trauma, by the by the abuse, is the, the human spirit. And then, and rediscovering that, then the person can is can start to to say, okay, so um, I still have a life to live. What 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 are the kind of things? The, that uh, the resources I have uh, to live that life. Uh, everybody is going to be at different stages. You know, when people are in a stage of shock, shock, they need mostly support. Okay, this is when one goes through the process of uh, recovery. Is that the person starts to think, okay, so now what I do with the rest of my life? Because a little bit like grief, you know. So, so, but if it's said, said too soon to a person that. Uh, the, the question of meaning, that person can become even overwhelmed, you know, because first is, is to come to terms. What happened to them to, and to recognize that uh, it was an act against the human dignity, you know, so recognize the suffering. So that's the first thing. You know, and then the second thing, as the person recovers, they say, well, I still have a life to live. Okay, so and, I, and, and then to discover, discover those uh, universal values and those... Uh, that is the human values, and then to reconstruct uh, one's life, you know, in, in in a way that is compassionate to oneself and to others. Okay, so and basically, and basically, it's compassionate to those who are suffering. Okay, so so it's not about uh, compassionate to everybody the same, but the compassion to other people who are who are who are suffering. That's the first thing. So self, uh, the others. No? Okay. All right, and then that's um, that ties very much into all the movement in Canada, healing and, and reconciliation. The first one is to heal, the one is to know the truth, and then reconcile. So, and uh, so that is answer your question. That's uh, that's answer your question. Well, it does. I mean, I mean, you gave um, you know two two steps. You know, first you got to recognize the injustice, a wrong had been done to our humanity. And then second is then you, how do you create a purpose for moving forward and to live in spite of the tragedy, in spite of the trauma, to, to keep our humanity and to keep mm -hmm. our compassion intact as we move mm -hmm. forward in our life. So mm -hmm. I think that, that answers it. Because I, you know, when I look at myself, not so much, but other other residential school survivors have had a lot more trauma than I have had, and so getting to the point of of acknowledging that you know a harm had been done to them, they they get that they get that a hundred percent. They know that that is the source of their suffering because they feel that their humanity was was attacked you know mm -hmm. and but then to 
to move from there to living your life becomes still difficult for them because they're exactly. stuck in that anger and that trauma and they haven't been able to move forward. So I'm wondering, like, I mean, why is that? And is it just, you know, a process that takes, for some people, take longer? And I did an interview with a psychologist um, a couple months ago, and, you know, and I, I said, well, I'm a residential school survivor, but I didn't experience any trauma. And she said, well, let me challenge you on that, because as I understand it, all the children were picked up, you know, five, six years old, taken from their home and taken to the institution. You were traumatized. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know of any child removed from their home that wouldn't yes, yes, experience yes. trauma. Yes, yes, yes. But somehow in my mind, I minimized that trauma, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I minimized it and, yes, 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 yes. and I don't know why, but I did. <laughs> and, and I, I don't know, but anyway, so I, I continue with my life um, yes, yes, yes. and just not really thought about the trauma of residential school. Mm -hmm. yes, yes. And I, but I do have a compassionate side where I want to help other residential school survivors mm -hmm. deal with that trauma and create a system in their life where they have purpose, mm -hmm. even if they don't recognize it yet. Yes, yes. You know? And I think that's, that's the big thing is to... Exactly, exactly. So, so the thing is, that's why we have our community. and. We... Because we need to help each other. Sometimes people cannot do it on their own. Mm. That's where, where it comes the the healthcare professionals, the, the the healing people, the friends, the family. You know, the community yeah. comes in to to help each other. Because yeah. sometimes it's not easy to do it on on one's own. Okay, so so that that's the the that the discovery of the human spirit. Sometimes is hidden. You know, some people um, have it more. Uh, uh, the, their awareness, but sometimes it's, it's hidden. But everybody has that capacity. And then it's people who have uh, been role models, uh, even though it's just one person, Victor Franco was a psychiatrist, you know, so, mm -hmm. so he was an ordinary person who is, was able to do that. Anybody in the community that uh, is an ordinary person that is able mm -hmm. uh, to recognize the, um, the damage done that is able at the same time to be compassionate is an example of what a human being is capable of. And those uh, examples are, is, is where logotherapy and analysis enters into science mm. because it's not just a subjective experience, it's people, yeah. uh, real people, ordinary people have been able to do that transformation. Okay, so now it's uh, our task to help others that they have not been able to do it on their own to be able to, to achieve that transformation. And, and then many people do that transformation without knowing a lot of anything about logotherapy because that's part of being human. What the logotherapy analysis gives a system, gives a, a framework, a system where we can apply 
the, the methods to actually uh, facilitate uh, that mm. process. So it's not something that is a uh, kind of mysterious and mm. aleatory or random, no, but we can do it more in a, a systematic way. Okay? Right? Yes. So that's where it comes the, the law therapy session analysis to help individuals to achieve that transformation. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I, th I think you're right. I mean, there's a lot of science behind it. And I've read a lot of good stuff about, you know, the, the positive aspect of logotherapy and applying it. Um, mm -hmm. But just to talk about, you know, when you're looking at sharing the information with other people, mm -hmm that don't know about it, but, but clearly they have a struggle, right? So how would you go about helping them discover for themselves the possibility that logotherapy yes. can help in transformation? Yes, yes so, so that's not that simple answer because you want to get to know the person and go to even get to know sometimes their culture. Mm. Okay, so so that, that's the thing. And, and myself as a therapist, uh, with experience, one becomes better at it because uh, one knows that one needs to get to know the culture of the person, not just from what the person is telling me, mm. but also one needs to do research. Right. Okay? And, and then over the years, that accumulated research, one mm. uh, have more experience. And okay, it's because um, uh, as you mentioned. The meaning is not created, but it's discovered. What that means to me, what that means to me is that every person has a challenge in their lives. You know, they, they have a challenge that makes them suffer. Okay. So that challenge is not created. That's a, it's not something that uh, is part of their identity, part of their lives. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. And now uh, to help them to respond to that challenge, to, to that uh, um, source of suffering. Is a, is a unique uh, capacity of uh, uh, each uh, okay. so, so that's the thing is that uh, um, uh, one is to know the context, one is to know the culture, and then within that uh, culture, then one is to see what are the possibilities, what are the possibilities for this person to reconnect with their spirit, with their soul, and that's where um, religion and spirituality comes in, you know, because uh, Victor Frankl talks about personal spirituality. What that means is that um, just knowing the a denomination or a particular mm. label of spirituality is not enough. One needs to know how that person uh, actually practices or believes that spirituality. So yeah. that person uh, might have different beliefs that is different from the other person. Yes. So, yes, so yeah. that that's so. It's important to get to know. What are the values of that person? And when we talk about spirituality, it's interesting because it's not so much about a, a religion or you know, faith in God. It's, it's about what are their values and ideals. You know, because there are people, atheist people, who have values and ideals. Right? So, so one needs to know what that means for Okay, I'm atheist. Okay, so what that means for you? And then, and then they explain. You know, and then one discovers what their values are. And then they perhaps are into philanthropy or... They, you know, they have different life experience, how they became yeah. to that kind of conviction. So, so for uh, any uh, indigenous people or any culture, it's the same that one needs to know a little bit what are, what is their spirituality, what's their, their history, what is uh, the blend of different uh, 
um, traditions that some people have. Mm-hmm. You know, so all that is important to get to know the person. And then through there to, to start to look at the possibilities. Okay. So look around who is around. Mm. Okay. So, okay. So a neighbor or a, a relative or my mom or, you know, a partner who is around first. You know, what are their values and beliefs? So we start to help them to discover because people sometimes don't know them. They, they have them because everybody has them, but they are not aware of it. So one, and then you say, okay. So how you can, leave those values and beliefs in your in your current circumstances and then that requ- requires a little bit of creativity you know say but we are not making them here because we are responding to that person's life yes all right so yeah so, so that's the process that's why it's, a, it's a, sometimes it's complicated but a, it's teachable you know yes yeah yeah well i think it's 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 really about communication right mm-hmm. um this week well, I, was it this week? Well, a couple, few days ago, my brother passed away. And since 2017, I've been helping him with his story. So he's been writing a story about his experience in residential school. And through re, rereading again, right? So I, I read it while I was helping him edit, but I'm reading it again, and I'm looking at what was his belief system that he was wanting to reveal in his writing. And it really touched me that, you know, when he was talking about, you know, his first few days in residential school, he talked about he was put into grade zero. And he mentioned it several times, like he was in grade zero because they didn't have kindergarten at that time. And he was in in residential school, like I think he was five. So at a five-year-old, given the designation that you're going to be in class zero, must have had a psychological effect on him because zero means nothing, right? And also then he was given a number instead of, so he wasn't referred to it in his name, he was given a number and he said his number was 56. So there's two things now on him. First, his identity as a person, his name was taken away. He was put in a class zero and he was given a number instead of a name. So I'm thinking as he's in this uh, formative stages, you know, as a young child, his first experience in the institution is to degrade him, to, to put him as less than. So when you talk about the humanity, the injustice to the humanity, it must have been a significant thing on a young boy because he kept talking about writing that several pages through his writing was that he was not, um, he didn't trust the nuns. And he said, you know, they were, 
looking at him, and even though they smiled, their eyes were hatred. And that's what he felt, right? He felt hatred. And he really enjoyed, because you, you go into the mission and there's, you know, there was like 56 boys in that area. Mm -hmm. During the day, he went to school. So he went to a different building to go to school. And because he was a curious child, he looked forward to going to school. So for him, that was the most joy he had was when he went to school and was out mm -hmm. of the the um, grasp of the nuns with the mean eyes. Right? So he he wanted to learn. He was curious. He wanted to learn, and and um, and that gave him purpose. He looked forward to going to school, but mm -hmm. he repeated over and over in his writing how he just you know, was punished for no reason. And, you know, he talked about how he was punished. The nuns would take two hands and hit them like this, like with their both ears and mm. hit them like that. Yeah. And that created, well, who knows? I mean, probably yeah. ringing in his ear. Mm -hmm. But not only that, it's humiliation, right? Mm -hmm. To be slapped like that. So he talked about that. So, you know, I give my brother a lot of credit for his indomitable spirit because mm -hmm. that didn't, like you said earlier, that didn't break him because he had that spirit in him and the spirit continued to be intact no matter what he endured through residential school. And I think that's really important because... I remember reading, I think it was your wife who wrote it, but and she might have been quoting someone else, the um, analogy of the candle. Yes. So yes. she described the candle as being whole. But, you know, when you light the candle, it, you know, it, cre it creates the light and it creates the wax melts. But you can cut it, but as long as the wick is intact, the candle stays intact. Yes, so he yes. was explaining how that is like this human spirit. Like, you know, there, there could be damage done, but the core essence of who we are, that's intact. And yes. we can do things to, to build on it. You know, and like you were saying earlier, you know, our values and our belief systems, we can build on that and create a, a process for mm -hmm. healing and not only healing, but purpose, having a purposeful yes, life. Sir, yes, sir, yes. The, the purpose comes from that healing because it's a, the person in search for meaning because the human spirit is what moves. The search for meaning. The search for meaning is, is is to search for for the what the humanity is about. You know mm. what, the, what it means to be human. So, so and then from what you are saying, is it important? Uh, is how uh, this uh, uh, conscience uh, develops. You know because uh, even as young children can tell intuitively 
that something is not right. Mm. You know? Mm. Okay, so he could tell that giving a number and putting in grade zero, that was not right. You know, they, they, you know, even as a young child. Mm. And he might, at that time, he would have not been able to explain it. But he, and the same is now today. So, you know, children in relationships where the parents are fighting, the, the small children are witnessing and they, they know that that's not right. Intuitively, nobody needs to, they don't need to go to school. They, yep. nobody needs to tell them that it's, it's not right. But they, they know that that makes them suffer. Okay. And then as the person develops slowly, then that consciousness become more um, um, rational in the sense that there's a big intuition. And then people can start to talk about, you know, what yeah. is right and what is wrong. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, it's more philosophical. But initially, the children, no, you know that something is not right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, intuitively, and suffer beyond, beyond yeah. intuitively. Yeah, because that's part of the the human spirit is there. It's there. Mm-hmm. It's here. Because yeah. they cannot talk about it later on when they are adults and they remember, then they can talk about yeah. how they felt yes. about yeah. it. Okay? So, yeah. so that's a, that's important to, to to recognize. You know how uh, the human spirit works, and then also how. Uh, the, the, some people uh, suppress the, the human spirit. You know, mm. you're talking about the abusers or these nuns. They were they were suppressing their their humanity uh, with the cruelty. Okay, they were somehow suppressing. That's why so when people get into coping strategies like uh, addictions, they are still suppressing that that spirit. You know, yeah. so they are they are not uh, they don't allowing to be self compassionate with themselves or self compassionate with others. Not uh, allowing the minimal uh, dignity of, of the person, and, and if you look at it uh, from the point of view of the residential schools, uh, I think most of them were uh, Catholic, Christian. It, it was a totally anti-Christian thing to do, you know. So it's, it's, it's very, it's very strange, you know, how uh, uh, people can be fooled, you know, into uh, certain beliefs and certain uh, practices that are totally the opposite to what they. Should have been doing, you know. So, yeah. so, 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 looking at that, yes. So, so nowadays, yes, it's it's hard because uh, the people are remain, you know, they not, you know, they, now they start to be the descendants of the people, people who were already uh, already witnessed uh, all that, like yourself, your 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 family, you know. So, mm-hmm. but uh, the people are still alive, you know, they're still here, and and how you know we. We can um, seek justice because justice needs to be uh, served, you know, justice mm-hmm. and, and, and repair the wrongs as much as possible. We cannot change the past, but we need to to repair our uh, society and uh, the people who are still uh, alive and, and the, at the same time to be compassionate. This is one of the things, you know, comes from different theories, but uh, I apply in my practice that sometimes compassionate means to correct somebody. Sometimes compassion is to say, look, what you're doing is wrong. What you did is wrong. You need to repair that. That's more compassionate than to say, okay, forget about it. And let's not talk about it anymore. Perhaps that's right. you're doing a disservice doing that, you know? Yes. Yeah. So actually, it's important to confront uh, each one of us and the people who have done wrong and to, 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 to have that kind of uh, feedback, you know, to, to that recognition. That's, that's part of being compassionate. That's yeah. that's my own uh, kind of um, practice, you know. I know I know Franco is, is, is spoke so much about this explicitly, but that's how I 
I talk with my clients that sometimes being compassionate with some time with somebody to actually be able to explain and speak up and correct them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, looking at, you know, so it's acknowledging, you know, the wrong, right? And it's part of reconciliation to, to um, acknowledge what was done was wrong. I know, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, you know, the larger Canadian uh, populations as well, that was so long ago, you know, you Indians get over it, right? Get over it. But you can't get over it if it wasn't acknowledged. Exactly. So, and it's a disservice. It yeah. does a disservice to other people yeah. and to themselves. Because actually, living a more authentic life is to recognize mm. the, the truth. Yes. You know, yeah. one looks the other way. So, so I come from a place in this in Spain. It's called the Canary Islands. Okay. So the Canary Islands also uh, had their own uh, cultural uh, and indigenous genocide, but like many islands in the world. Okay. Mm. So, so they are the, 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 mostly the Spanish. They, they managed to destroy the culture and the, the, the descendants, even they are not recognized still, you know, the descendants because there are political reasons for that. So are they still descendants of those indigenous people mixed with the Spanish? Yes. Are they recognized? No, <laughs> you know. So, so the, the the thing is that yes, that um, the effects of colonization uh, affected uh, the the whole world, and uh, in some places more than others, and still in some places is not even recognized at all. You know, mm. that is uh, happened. You know, and, uh, to to name the things as they as they were. No, so so you know we, we need to be mind that we have a, as a humanity there are a lot of lights and there are a lot of uh, shadows you know yeah. in, in, mm-hmm. humanity you know so so to so come from that position of that uh, um, we are uh, the the will to meaning is to to become who we should be you know Franco said so there is also a tension from where we are where we should be you know yes. so so that's not just applied for people who have experienced challenges, but to everybody, yeah. everybody, you know. So yeah. you know, I had a conversation with one with one of my kids talking about stories, talking about um, uh, colonizing Mars, no? Mm. You know, and then and then because there are a lot of people, oh, colonizing Mars, but, but uh, we have a planet, you know, that's so nice, mm-hmm. and we still don't know how to live in it. You know? Yeah, we are thinking about colonizing Mars, isn't yes. it? Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, let's. Uh, um, I mean, I I did an interview with an a Lakota indigenous man, and he says, you know, the colonizers' language that they they transferred to indigenous people is a violent language. It's it's a it's a it's a language about power and violence. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's Basque from Spain, yeah. and they also. I mean, that's the indigenous people of Spain. Yes. And she was talking about how violent, you know, not being recognized as indigenous, right? And so it's a continual struggle in that area with with the Basque First Nations in in uh, in Spain. But she was yes, also saying, yeah, that's where I study. Pamplona is part of that uh, Basque region. Yes. You know, yes. I, and when I was studying, there was still a lot of violence uh, there. Yeah. The thing is that uh, 
that is everything is very complex. It's very complex, you know. It's very complex, and and you know, and then you have actors who are there for the good, and then are actors that are there to to use the situation, you know, for their own gains and mm. interests. You know, mm. so, you know, so so the, the, it's a it's a complicated thing. It's, it's Spain is is very complicated because uh, the, it was built out of many different communities and kingdoms and yes. the history is 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 complicated. So so that's why we need to be compassionate with ourselves, compassionate with others because yeah. you know things are not so uh, straightforward. Yeah? So it's yeah. not so straightforward many times. Uh, and then one leaves, you know. And I was studying there, and yes, there was still violence and. I lived and I knew where to the safe places and I knew who to talk to, you know, and, and to get to know the people there, you know, so, you know, so the, always the, there's a way, you know, there's a way to, to, to discover uh, the humanity, even mm. in situations of uh, conflict, you know, so, so yeah. that's what I can say from the law of therapy and existential analysis uh, point of view, you know, that's a, uh, at the end of the day, we are human beings in the conflict now, for instance, uh, Israel and, uh, and the Hamas and Palestine, mm -hmm. Jewish and Palestinian. So we have people who study law therapy analysis in both sides. And then what I talk to them is that uh, their role is to help their people to heal from the effects of trauma. They are all traumatized. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so that's how Victor Franco, uh, it's a universal message, you know, and uh, it's in, that, that's what is uh, admirable about uh, Victor Frankl. That's uh, it's, uh, 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 transcultural, you know. It's not just because he was Jewish; it's for Jewish people or uh, mm -hmm. uh, for everybody, you know. And everybody who studies law therapy and analysis is going to help heal their own people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I and I really like that about his his theory is that it didn't it didn't really matter who you were, you know, whether you were, you know, Jewish or Turkish or somebody else. Yes. This can work with any group. Yeah, because it's a human. What it means to be human. Yes. Um, as a psychotherapist, I always uh, I also also uh, discover or experience that uh, human beings, no matter their social status, their culture, they have the same kind of passions, uh, mm. interests, mm. uh, similar challenges, you know? You mm -hmm. say, oh, if I was this, well, as a human being, you're going to have very similar challenges. Because that's what uh, I see every day, especially now that we do this online. Mm -hmm. I can reach out to people from different neighborhoods, different backgrounds, different areas of Ontario. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, everybody wants to to live, have a family, you know, to enjoy life, you know, to face their challenges, you know. Yes. That, that's what people want, you know. It's not a big thing, you know. It's not like the colonization of Mars. So. <laughs> yeah. just, you know, it's, it's to be able to live and, and to have good health and good relationships, you know. So that that's mm -hmm. what people want at the end of the day. You know? so, so, and you said very, very clearly, yes, that even the colonization of Mars is it still this, that colonial mentality? You it know, is. Why, why yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I totally agree with you. You know, the the commonality that we all have is in the our yes. core is we're human, right? We have yes. that human 
we're, we're human, right? And so we, yes, yes, as, yes. as complicated as that can be in terms of individually, we can have, you know, different, um, we show up differently as humans based on our background and our experiences, you know, when we were growing up. So, but because we're all human, this, you know, uh, logotherapy can be transformational with everybody. Like it's anybody that wants to investigate logotherapy and use, you know, the skills that they learn from the theories, they can have transformation. And transformation is really unpredictable because you you can't have transformation unless you discover for yourself because I can, you can't explain to somebody something. They have to discover it. It's like riding a bike. You can explain to yes, the person, yes. like, you can ride a bike and you're keeping balance, but unless you learn for yourself how to ride a bike, mm -hmm. yes, you yes. won't get that balance, like what that yes, balance exactly, exactly. means. Yes. You just know it, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, exactly. And, and listening to people, as one is trained in law therapy and essential analysis, that's what happens. That one is listening to somebody, and then uh, one is uh, learning. You know what are their possibilities, mm. and where they, they are, there are little manifestations of that human spirit. Where is that compassion? Where is that self awareness? Where they are the choices they are making? And then, uh, rather than telling people, one asks questions. Related, okay, tell me a little bit about, more about that. Mm -hmm. Okay, oh, yeah, that's interesting. You know, one starts to make comments that are related to what the other person is talking. Yeah. And then the other person starts to discover something that was already inside themselves. You know, mm -hmm. that's called the Socratic yeah. dialogue that comes from Socrates that, uh, and Plato, that they have this idea that uh, the, the student, uh, already knows and the, the role of the teacher is like a midwife to help them to to, to deliver yeah what they already is what already is inside themselves yes yeah and it and you just reveal it in the in the conversation so you you take out the layers you peel it and as mm -hmm. the interest is there because it you know when you're having a conversation it's two ways right so you you feel that when you're being heard, then you can move on to the next thing. You can go deeper, but you have to feel you're being heard and that what you're saying is resonating with the person you're speaking to. And um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm really excited about this. You know, like it makes me feel like the possibilities are real for people, you know, and that it can help with their suffering. It can help with who knows how it will, you know, transform them and how they will impact their community yes. and their, their family in discovering for themselves their values and their belief systems and how that can create a life for them. So, you know, how they show up in the world to help others, right? Because exactly. I think with Absolutely. Victor Frankl, it was always about his purpose was to help others, 
discover their purpose. It was yes, to, yes, to um, help them take the veil off and show them this is, this is the, your human part of who you are. Mm -hmm. And this is what gives you joy. So you're not, you're not searching for joy. You discover it through your purpose. Yes, yes. And, and that authenticity of Viktor Frankl, I think well, is what has made that, uh, even though he passed away in 1997, he still didn't die. Mm. You know, because a lot of people predicted, oh, yes, only a few group of his friends will know about this. But actually, uh, more and more people know about this. More and more people, new generations are noticing his uh, authenticity that, that are genuine, that he really wanted to help people. Mm. And the uh, and and then the thing is yes that uh, he he had a lot of opposition you know from the scientific community but now there has been so much research done in it that now we even have the evidence base of the uh, low therapy and its essential analysis and uh, and then he always said well as, uh, what all I know is that my my books they keep uh, being uh, read and sold and and people are keep writing to me you know so. No matter what the critics say, that's, that's the reality is that I, I receive a lot of correspondence and sometimes he even hires some assistants to help him reply to most, um, most people as possible that mm. were writing to him. You know, so, yeah, so he was really authentic, authentic and genuine and, and his theory and his uh, practice and the institutes around the world didn't die out. You mm. know, some people predicted. Yes. Know, yeah. people, so perhaps it's just his charisma. You know, but, you know, it's, there's something more than his charisma. So, you know, so yeah. So, so that, that's what we are trying to rediscover. And uh, also now with the it means that we have a communication to, to reach out to uh, as many people as possible. Yeah. 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 Because we're in a, a era where, well, you and I are speaking, you know, through Zoom. You know, I think we we're, we live in the same town because you live in Ottawa, right? Yes. <laughs> so, but we're speaking through Zoom. And, you know, similarly, you could be speaking to somebody that's in Alberta or Germany or some somewhere else, but it's... Yes, and, and as soon as you post this online, then it's universally available. Yes, 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 yes exactly. Yes. Well, so I think we're we're... We've gone way over our time, but that's okay. Um, I want to make sure that you have said, you know, as much as you want to say, and if there's anything that you've left out that you want to, to say, um, maybe I can ask you this question. Can you tell us about a time where you may have felt hopeless but then found it within yourself to create a possibility of hope. Well, um, I, I would say, for instance, uh, uh, I, I was I spent the time in the U in England, seven years in England, okay, and and I was my own until I met my my wife, and uh, yeah, I had the uh, different. Uh, challenging situation, especially when I completed my training in the north of England and I started my new job in, in the south of England. Okay. So all those were ch challenging times. And then the job I found was in a, in a service that was for people uh, who were not responding to conventional treatments of, uh, of medications or 
eh, eh, conventional treatments of psychotherapy. And that was a, a, a very big challenge. And I didn't know how, how long I would last in <laughs> that service. And there was a lot of turnover of uh, burnout from uh, health professionals. And there, there is where I, I looked back at the logotherapy assisted analysis because I started to, to read again and was studying. And, and then there is where I say also, not just for my uh, patients, but for myself, it gave, it gave me hope. It gave me hope. Mm. Uh, to the point that uh, other people in, in the department uh, also took the, the initiative to train in logotherapy and essential analysis. So, so that little contribution uh, helped me to understand, you know, the possibilities. And then over the years as well, how that work I did that was a, you know, a very limited uh, place, you know, uh, with a limited influence uh, has taken off in for instance, in the treatments, for instance, of uh, personality disorders. Uh, at that time, the, there was a lot of pessimism around people who had borderline personality disorder, uh, uh, history of um, uh, trauma. Mm. And then I see how there has been an evolution that there is more optimism in the healthcare professionals in that the people can heal and can become better and can uh, recover, you know, especially the the concept of recovery that sometimes not to go back to how one was, but we able to adapt to the new uh, lifestyle. Okay. So I saw that. And, and then with that as well, and I mentioned I, I did a PhD in neuroscience and, and it was uh, always seem, oh, neuroscience is not so important because how you can apply <laughs> neuroscience uh, to, to practice. But actually through the study of low therapy and analysis, I learned as well how to apply, uh, apply my neuroscience uh, knowledge into uh, something that is practical for people. And then I developed uh, a model uh, for understanding values and freedom of will that is based on neuroscience uh, uh, research. You know, so with that, what's important because it's important to help people to, to do something that they are capable of doing. So for that one is to know the limitations of our human body. Yes. Okay. And when we know the human body, then we can uh, help people to to achieve what they are able to do. We cannot ask people to do more than what they cannot do. You know. So so knowing those uh, those uh, limitations helps actually the person to achieve their full potential. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And I and I think um, Viktor Frankl mentioned somewhere I read that he had said that you you do a disservice to people if you limit who they could be right so you exactly. put a cap but, but, on but the one is to be careful in, in not setting the the aspiration so high yes that is not possible you know yes yes there's a balance to it but you there's can't you can't have it too low because no exactly exactly, exactly. the aspiration of the human being is to reach to their full what they, who, who they can who they can be how much yes. they can handle but there's yes. a limitation in the body and mind we have limitations, but the spirit, there's no limitations. Yes, it's free. But we need to, but we need to acknowledge the limitations in the body and the mind. Mm, mm. You know, how, how much we can remember, you know, how, how fast we can think. Yes. All those things that is what the neuroscience research uh, yes. give us, that data. Yeah. It's very useful to, to be able to, to help people to, in a way that is, is not harmful, you know, in a way that is not too much. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I get what you're saying. And I think that, I mean, 
for me, I, I think I mentioned to you that I had surgery and during surgery, I had a stroke. And after that, I, after I got out of the hospital, I started to do research on the brain. So I was doing everything, whatever the brain, you know, I was learning everything about the brain. And there was a, a, um, I guess the thinking years ago, probably over 20 years ago, that the yes. brain was set in the way yes, it, yes. it is. But through, you know, creating new pathways in your brain, you can actually keep growing and create, you know, like experiences pathways, and, yes, yes. and ap applications to doing things yes, yes, by yes. just teaching your brain, you know, creating. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. yes. Yeah, that's the responsibility of psychotherapy, that psychotherapy is not just about talking, but there's a change in the body. You yes. know, it change the brain, changing the different capacities of the, yeah. the of the body. You know, so so that, that that's why there's a responsibility. It's not a it's not a physical treatment, it's called psychological treatment, but that's at the end of the day it has an impact uh, yes. on the body and, and yeah, so so yeah. that those are interesting insights, yeah, yeah. that you yeah, well, it's yeah. creating pathways, right? Once you create a pathway, it's like putting a road through the, I mean, I live on a property that's outside of Ottawa, a lot of trees, but you can create create uh, these paths. Once you create a path, you can walk on it. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. It opens up, right? So yeah, Exactly, I, I, so, and that's perhaps what we are trying to do, is to open a path yes. that, we, that people can walk through. Yes. yes, yeah, and it makes it easier because the more you learn about it, the more mm -hmm. you clear that path and make it yes. easier for others to to walk yes. through it. So that's, uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm always excited about the brain and what the brain can do. I have a really, I have a quirk in my brain, which is, and I just discovered it last few years, but it's called aphantasia. Mm -hmm. Aphantasia is that I cannot voluntarily create images in my brain. Mm -hmm. So I can't, if somebody says, imagine an apple, and I close mm -hmm. my eyes to imagine an apple, I can't. It's blank. Exactly, exactly. You see, so that, that's an example of what I was saying, that you cannot ask a, a person that has that condition to now imagine something because they are going to get frustrated, you know, so... Yeah. Needs to know the person and what the person is capable of doing yeah. to be able to say, okay, so what are what what remains, what is intact, what the, how we can um, what, what capacities we can still use, you know. So that's where the optimism comes in. That there is always something to uh, to respond or to do. You know? So that's existential analysis, basically, that the analysis of existence, analysis of possibilities, yeah. That's really, that's, that's, that's really good. That is really good. I mean, and, and to your point, you need to know what the limitations a person has before you ask them to do something they may not be able to do. Yes, exactly. Yes. exactly yes. That's part of being compassionate. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. 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 Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yes. Well, I think that we're coming close to, you know, the end of our, our um, interview. And like I said, is there anything in addition that we haven't touched on that you want to? I mean, we could talk forever, I'm sure. 
but is there something you want to add that we haven't mentioned yet? Well, I, I think we have covered some basics. And as you say, we can be talking here for a long time. Um, yeah, and, and to thank you for this initiative to, to invite me and to, and to spread this message of low therapy and statistical analysis. You know, and the, and the, so what I, I mentioned is that the, the one learns about this at different levels. So reading Victor Franco's books, other materials that are online or actually formally uh, studying it, you know, so mm. everybody has their own path and their own level of, uh, yeah. of, of meaning in life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll add all those links to the show notes of this, this recording, um, so that people can order the books and uh, learn a little bit more if they're so interested in it. Um, but I really enjoyed you accepting my invitation to have this conversation, Dr. Marshall. And it's so great to have this conversation with you because I've been excited about it because I'm, I'm excited about logotherapy and the practicalities and uh, usage of it, you know? So I'm, I'm thinking that we need to spread the word, you know, because it's, it's something that's useful and can help so many people. So let's, let's continue conversation, you know, down the road. Um, and I just want to add before we wrap up that I am recording from unceded Algonquin territory and just a little land acknowledgement for the indigenous people in this area. And, uh, who are also are my clients. <laughs> so I, I like to give them a little acknowledgement, the Algonquins of um, Ontario. And um, so, like I said, is there anything you want to end with? Well, um, as I said, um, this language is, uh, this uh, therapy and search analysis uh, is meant to be universal, but it also is meant to be personal. You know, so there's that. Dialectic, yeah. that is universal, but at the same time, it's very personal. And, and where we are, or where we are listening to this, we are here in Ontario, in, in, in Ottawa, but where I is listening in the world, there's going to be some uh, applicability locally. Yes, yeah. Thank you so much, um, Dr. Marshall. It's been a pleasure talking to you this afternoon, and I wish you a Merry Christmas. And happy holidays. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.